Welcome to the NutraCast, a production by Nutra Ingredients USA. I'm Danielle Masterson. Thank you for joining me here on the NutraCast, where we talk and share insights from inside the nutrition industry. Technology is a dynamic and fast-evolving area as the supplement industry continues to face the challenges and opportunities of keeping up with tremendous growth and consumer demand. Leaf Labs is a formulation and product developer, as well as a dietary supplement manufacturer. The company is building on new capabilities to help them drive innovation while managing ongoing global supply chain issues. Joining me now to discuss all of this and more is Adele Villalobos, CEO and founder of Leaf Labs. Welcome to the NutriCast, Adele. Danielle, thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me. So tell me a little bit about your journey as an entrepreneur and how it sort of got you to where you are today. So Danielle, it is a journey and I'm glad you put it that way. And and I really hope that uh, I have a long way to go on this journey, both professionally and personally. It uh, started, I would say, uh, a passion for this industry that was birthed Uh, back in the mid-90s, I was in school studying biochemistry, and I didn't really have a career goal in mind. And there was, I was actually working at at Home Depot to help pay for college, and I was a a year or two away from graduating, and I figured I needed to go find a job that was closer related to what I was studying. So biochemistry was my degree. I was studying nutrition, nutritional biochemistry, and how nutrients where they're found in food and how they are absorbed in the body. And so vitamins were introduced to me in school. And my biochem professor had, had two bottles of supplements. And I said, oh, you know, um, one of them was selenium and the other one was beta carotene. And I remember clearly, and I asked, you know, the professor, selenium, you, know, you take selenium you know, beta, uh, and uh, beta carotene. And she said, yes, Adele, don't you remember selenium is a a cofactor, helps an enzyme work in apoptosis. Apoptosis is cell death. It's when your body's own immune system tells a a potential cancerous cell to kill itself. And I was intrigued that my biochem professor was taking supplements and really the importance of of selenium in in a dietary supplement. And I studied nutrition and I'm in the industry. And I bet most, and I realize most people don't even know where, where you get selenium in your food. So I was intrigued by it and realized the value of dietary supplements. And a local supplement company was hiring to educate their sales force on the benefits of vitamins and minerals. And luckily, I went to the first interview and I was hired the very next day. And that began my journey. Uh, that company endorsed me and, and, and embraced me and adopted me because of my knowledge of nutrition and its benefits to well-being and health. And I'd say the love affair began almost immediately. I'd say about four years into the industry, I was approached to start my own company and to lead my own company. And the journey began. And I will not bore you with the details of the first four years <laughs> because there was a bunch of trials, tribulations, and struggles uh, on my journey to learn how to build a sustainable, long-term company uh, that we are today. So the the journey started in the mid-90s. We're in 2001. uh, And uh, today, I've got over 350 employees. We're over 200,000 square feet. 
And I, I am now a contract manufacturer to the industry that I really enjoy. And what that means is brands hire us to develop and manufacture the products that they sell to the consumers to improve consumer health. So that's, that's where my journey began. And that's where I am today, Danielle. And um, again, it's been, a, it's been quite a ride and still loving every moment. It sounds like you dealt with a lot of trials and tribulations, like a lot of other new entrepreneurs, but I have to imagine it helped build some character, some of those humble beginnings, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, I, and I tell young entrepreneurs, it, there is, you do have to go through the struggle. And I have a saying, without a struggle, there is no strength. And yes, it, it builds character, it builds strength and teaches perseverance. Uh, a lot of times it's, knowledge is important, but uh, having a winning attitude and, and being driven by a passion and a vision, you know, consumer health and uh, well-being and even uh, helping our employees reach their professional best. Those are visions and uh, missions that drive not only me, but the entire organization. Mm-hmm. And, and how are you driving innovation through your entrepreneurial uh, leadership there at LEAF? Because I know that's a big part of what you do there. You know, having an entrepreneurial spirit and always looking towards the future is how we spark, I believe, innovation. And we do have an entrepreneurial spirit, even though the company is, you know, I'd say 12 years old and we've grown a bit. You know, as, as a business, uh, innovation is what drives, you know, growth and opportunity. And COVID did force companies to look at innovation and technology. And I do believe it's put it, uh, it's sped up. And I do believe technology and innovation, not only to our industry, but all industries is going to be our next wave and the next opportunities for business. What we do here is, I would say, identifying risks and threats to the organization before they happen is something that we're investing dollars in. So our IT department has expanded And uh, what we do is we've automated a portion of it. Um, We're always looking for threats. And we actually have invested in programs and looked outside of LEAF to bring innovation into our organization to look for uh, data threats. Data is so important for our company today. And making sure that our data is protected is one way we started looking at innovation. So it's no longer a human that's looking for threats, we actually have technology and computer systems that are bringing the threats to our IT department. And we scour the internet for potential new viruses and new threats to data integrity. And um, we, we've automated a big portion of that. I believe that those threats are you know, really the, the battles for business, but not only for governments, is to protect your data. Um, that's one area we've looked at. Um, data is so important to us. And there is a mission and a vision that drives us. I want our employees to be the employees of the future, whether they stay here at LEAF or move on to other opportunities. So we've teamed up with our local uh, university, the Canyons, to make sure that we upskill our employees. And data uh, management is one area that we are training for. We do believe the employees of the future, and we do believe that it is the responsibility of organizations and companies to support their communities in which they use employees. Uh, So our give is to to develop the employees of the future. And as I mentioned, data is very important to us. There are new jobs that we are looking for, new postings that didn't exist before, I'd say two years ago. You know, data architects, uh, data engineers, those are new positions that didn't exist in our organization. We're a manufacturing company in the dietary supplement sector, 
but some of the, the employees that we employ today are data architects and data engineers to ensure that, um, that we're using data to grow the company, but also uh, to make sure that employees are keeping up with the technologies of tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about threats, what would you say is your biggest threat? Would you say data breaches? So data breaches are threats. Um, there's also when you, they hold your data hostage. So th- I mean, the threats of today are when um, hackers actually take your data and lock you away from your data. These new ransom uh, attacks that happen to companies. I've actually know companies in our industry that have been hit. And uh, luckily, they were somewhat prepared and were able to get back up and running within you know, three or four days. But three or four days of, of business losses in today's fast-paced environment uh, is not good. Uh, there are instances where it could be weeks, two weeks, or in some instances, you don't get your data back. Uh, so it's a big threat to, to not only our industry, all organizations. So we do look at not so much data breaches where they may take you know, information. It's when they hold your information hostage and they take your systems and take it hostage and it's a ransom you need to pay or to get your data back. So those are areas that we've secured our organization and those threats are constant. And uh, so we've used portion of that is uh, automated and the other portion, it's it's humans and uh, IT, IT experts that protect us against that. Okay, good to know. And so you obviously use technology to protect your data, but there's also a lot of technology that goes into other areas of the business, like supply chain. Uh, what are some of the technologies that are shaping supply chains in your area? Uh, so I, I would say uh, some of the things we're working on is being able to connect with our vendors and being able to collect documentation. So we've been working on this for, for about two years now. The goal is to have our vendors load all their all the regulatory documents or regulated industry and be able to load them into our databases so that we can have the information much faster. And there are technologies and there are companies that do that for you today. Some of the things that we want to know is, uh, is supply chain issues before, before they become problematic. Some of the technology, and we're using data architects to build an infrastructure and to help our vendors trust that this information is used only for our eyes. So again, data integrity is important, as you mentioned. So building the infrastructure and having the data architects to build conduits between our organization and the vendors that we buy from. And this conduit is the free flow of information, information like, let's say, crop issues where there is an issue with crop yields. I send that information immediately and have us collect the information rather than having to ask for it. So we are now providing our vendors with potential demand and potential needs. And our vendors, they know what our demand is. So they're able to tell us shifts in supply, let's say botanicals that are grown. Some of the other areas that we're playing with are looking at droughts. Let's say there's certain botanicals that are grown in certain parts of the world. I'm making sure that uh, we're collecting uh, climate data and we're not using that information just yet, but understanding how climate affects yield so that we know, you know, a year in advance if there's going to be any potential yield issues in crops. Notice, Danielle, that I'm mentioning data a lot. We are currently programming predictive models and testing them to see if we're able to use past information to predict what's happening today so that we can use current information to predict what's going to happen tomorrow. We are building that type of programming 
And in order to do that, um, remember we mentioned data architects. Those are the individuals that are making sure that all our data is centralized. So it's very important uh, for companies of today to look to centralize their data. And then the other big words are big data. Climate information is big data. There's a lot of information that you can get from the internet, crop information, certain catastrophes that happen in certain parts of the world, even unrest. I believe cocoa grows in areas that have a lot of civil unrest in Africa. So those are areas that we want to collect data that's available on the internet, being able to centralize it, and then have computer models and predictive data analytics models that just give us some predictions. So we are building the infrastructure. We are hiring data architects, hiring data engineers, hiring people with statistical skill sets and mathematical skill sets. And we're doing that today to be able to see if we can predict future. And this, as you mentioned, supply chain, I mean, I don't know if we'd have been able to predict COVID, but COVID is a good example of a global phenomenon that can tell us what may happen uh, with supply chain. Uh, so these are areas that we are looking at. You know, so that's on the technology side, and we feel centralized data and analyzing data is the wave of the future. There's so much to consider. So you mentioned the pandemic that's constricting factories, especially in Asia, making you know transportation and logistics more costly. You mentioned climate, global warming is leading to more disruptions from hurricanes and other storms. Infrastructure that's outdated. Shipping containers are in short supply. Raw materials are running low. Ports are backed up. I mean, there's so many factors. Are your computer models able to factor all of this in? So, so that would, would be what we call big data. And yes, we are pointing it. So the goal is to point your conduits or, or your, your internet uh, scrubbers and pointing them in the direction that we want, which would be uh, global warming, climate change, catastrophes, civil unrest. Those are the areas that we're pointing at and we're collecting data. And then we use data engineers and analytic uh, people with analytic and statistical backgrounds to scour this data and see if we can get predictions. And as we get better at predicting, we get better at modeling the system so that in the near future, we can have these models to some percentage or to some level of success tell us what where the next issues can happen. So th- these, are, these are things that will create issues with supply that we know we need because we know what our demands are for certain products, certain ingredients, and what parts of the world they come from. The other thing we're doing is tapping into the data that exists in social media, where a lot of the new marketing is happening for finished products. You know, our brands and the, that we service and the clients that we service, social media is the new place to market to end consumers. And we're also looking at that to see if we can predict what the next high demand ingredient will be so that we can predict the next trend in raw materials so that we can predict an increase in needs so that we're not caught with a new um, trend and that we don't we haven't secured supply for. So, so we're looking at potential threats to current supply chain, but we're also looking at uh, predicting what the next trends could be in the industry. And all of this points back to data uh, and data analytics. And then the architecture, uh, which is the conduits to be able to send all the data to one source in your organization. And then protecting that data If we're going to tell our vendors to allow us to tap into data that's important to us, we need to ensure that that they're protected and their data is protected and their 
um, IT systems are protected as well. So how far can you look out? How far can you foresee what to expect? Uh, I know a lot of companies are looking at supply and wondering, you know, with the holiday season coming up, what to expect. So I, I, I would say this holiday season, we're, uh, we, we just know that demand is high. So we predicted that looking at past data, data will always provide you, especially leaning data, will give you indications of the future. We know that this, this time of the year, demand is high because we've been tracking data for some time. It's when it's big data and when you're scouring the entire internet and when you get a lot of data where it gets a little more complicated. Um, how far in the future? We'd like to look six months into the future. Those are some of the models that we, we want to build. Can we look six months into the future? None of this is in action today. The predictive portion, we are building the, the architecture. We are beginning to model and beginning to see if we can, if we can computer systems and, and, and programs can, uh, can predict for us. Six months into the future is what we're trying to predict for. And that would be supply chain problems, um, catastrophes, hopefully not the next pandemic anytime soon, but uh, things that do affect crops Companies' abilities to function, and uh, so six months is uh, is our target, Daniel. And we're now in Q4. The year's coming to an end. What is your outlook for key industry innovations and things to look out for for you know early 2022? I'm going to say that uh, for our company, uh, middle of 2022 is when we plan on launching some of these predictive models. Uh, so we give ourselves to, to, to the middle of next year. I don't know where my competitors lie. I, I know that um, data is big with our brands. I know our brands are, are leading our industry in looking at data and being able to predict needs and consumer demands. So data analytics has entered our industry and the brands are leading it. What I'm trying to do and what I want to do is I want to push that down into the contract manufacturer and uh, the, the businesses that service these brands. Um, we also want to look at regulatory issues and see if we can model that and predict where issues can happen within an organization. So this isn't data that exists outside of our organization. This is more Internet of Things. And these are, this is connecting all our equipment to sensors and then adding um, regulatory models and quality models um, so that we can predict um, regulatory and potential quality issues. And uh, some of the, the concepts, Danielle, that we're working with so we've already added sensors to all of our equipment. So that, that's the beginning of using, you know, the, the industry term or, you know, industry 4.0 is, is where the entire um, world industries are going to, and that is you know, data analytics. And then one key facet is Internet of Things, and that is, uh, you know, edge computing. And that is when you plug in all of your equipment to, to a centralized data point, and they all have sensors, and they're providing you feedback when they're down, um, when they're running, the speed at which they're running. Some of the things that we can do is we can add regulatory models because we are we know what compliance is and we know all the call it checkpoints. We want all these checkpoints to hit. If we put these regulatory checkpoints throughout the organization, the goal is that we build models that you know product in, and when that product comes out, so products that come in that we buy from vendors and go through your checkpoints, and these things have data uh, sensors attached to them or buttons you click to say done and complete. You can safely say that this product is to a certain percentage, uh, certain percent regulatory compliant. And then you can add risks. Um, you can also add quality compliant or you, you build your own quality metrics and you can look at finished product as it's coming off your line and you can already establish pass, no pass 
based on certain metrics that you put in. So um, to me, um, this technology already is beginning to happen in our, in our industry. And uh, some of the other things we're doing is we're launching vision systems so that we can have visual um, cameras that are looking for products that are out of quality metrics. But some of the things that we we're doing with the visual systems is being able to read a label and being able to read um, all the compliance documents and tell us if there's an allergen. And if the label's missing an allergen uh, warning, then the systems will warn you and stop you. And to me, that's safer products uh, for consumers that are concerned with allergens. We are teaching vision systems to read uh, all the documentation and then read a label and tell us if that label is identifying an allergen. Uh, these are all technologies, Danielle, that I think uh, will launch in 2022. Uh, one is uh, making companies more efficient, uh, data analytics, Internet of Things, and big data. The other one is making products uh, safer using vision systems and programming a camera to be able to tell you that this label is missing an allergen warning. And to me, great for industry, great for consumer safety, and great for regulatory agencies to know that companies are investing in these systems, making you know a lot one portion of the dietary supplement industry a lot safer. And these are areas that we figure if we lead the industry, the rest of the industry will follow. And uh, that is us doing our part and making sure that safety is also in the mind of future investments using technology. That is so incredible. So you're planning to launch all of that next year? By the end of the second quarter in 2022. You mentioned consumer safety, of course. And then on the other hand, efficiency. I can't imagine how much time you're going to save and how much less of a headache dealing with all the regulatory issues that we have going on, especially with CBD. I mean, how many hours do you think you're going to save by doing all this? So we haven't done the ROI just yet. Uh, we do know that if companies are not investing in the technology, and I don't want to say technology of the future because it's already here. Predictive technology is already surrounding us. Social media uses it on a regular basis. They collect a lot of data. And interestingly, I don't know if we, I don't know if you've seen Social Dilemma, but um, you know social media companies and big data companies like Google, big companies like Amazon and Facebook, they've been collecting and they've been analyzing data and they've, they're using predictive models today. So this isn't technology of the future. The technology surrounds us. I don't know if you've seen the technology, you could take a picture of a check and deposit into your account. So vision systems are here. Uh, intelligent computer systems and computer programming is here. Uh, we haven't looked at um, how much hours and time we're going to save, but we do know that this technology will eventually hit all industries. And the early adopters in this instance for our industry will win. Early adopters prove the, prove the concept that's already happened. I'm sure, spend the first part of next year identifying you know, what the return on the investment and how long the return will happen. But, um, but I, we, I also feel, so one is for the business and you're saying how much hours we're saving, Danielle. The other part is I do believe that um, COVID, you know, for a while made it feel that it was society or it was community against business, you know, because businesses, you know, we fought to stay open and, um, you know, survival of the business, you know, we, we consider businesses as a separate entity, as a, as a living, breathing, you know, organism or entity. And for, I heard 
I kept hearing that companies were looking at profits before health and not necessarily. I, I do believe as a business owner and as a CEO, it's, it's, it's a balance. We need to make sure that businesses thrive because we provide you know, jobs for community. Uh, but I do believe because of COVID, it looked like it was one against the other. I am part of a coalition, part of a group, and it's called Balance California. And it is CEOs looking on, on how to make sure that businesses are a force for good. So one thing you asked, you know, saving time, of course, for a business is profitable to, to be able to save time and be able to save resources and use less employees. That may be what can look like as the perceived goal. In reality, at least the way our organization looks at it, we want to train and we want to make sure that our organization is the breeding ground of the employees of tomorrow. And like I said, we're, we're working with the local community college and local universities to establish the training for the future and to make sure that, um, that if you're a LEAF employee and you have ambition and you want to grow within our organization, we will train you for the skills that are required. And I'm going to say of tomorrow, but really it's, it's here today. So yes, saving on time, but also making sure that we are training the workforce of tomorrow. So Adele, just looking ahead, what advice do you have for companies? What should they do to prepare for the future? As CEOs, we have to embrace technology. It's important. And also make sure that we keep the community in mind and uh, making sure that we stay involved also with our elected officials. LEAF is very involved in Washington, D.C., and making sure that elected officials are educated on the benefits of dietary supplements. So when you say, what advice do I give to, to other CEOs and even to entrepreneurs? To entrepreneurs, always perseverance. Always look at what are the innovations of tomorrow. Supply chain of the future is going to need a lot of data engineering, a lot of data analytics. And so I advise the young entrepreneurs to look at the future, to be able to compete existing companies like Leaf Labs, if we're not looking at the future, you know, we, we, we should not be allowed to, to thrive and grow. It is the companies that look towards the future that do two things. You know, one, stay profitable, make sure that, they, that we're able to employ, but also look at your community and make sure that you are a steward of your community and make sure that you are involved and keep your elected officials informed of the benefits of your industry and your industry, meaning our industry, the dietary supplement industry, so that they understand and they can help support with, with um, laws that, uh, that support an industry and also protect the, uh, the consumer. So I, I do believe uh, looking at, uh, at your company as, a, uh, as being part of the community and being part of making sure that, that the political climate is beneficial to both consumers and business. Community involvement is so important. Adele Villalobos, CEO and founder of Leaf Labs. Thank you so much for coming on the NutriCast and sharing some of your insights. Anil, thank you very much. I appreciate the time. If you like what you just heard, you can subscribe to the NutriCast wherever you get your podcast. You can also head to NutriIngredients-USA.com for even more Nutri-related content. Thank you for listening. I'm Danielle Masterson. As always, I'll catch you here on the NutriCast next week.